Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mitten Politics. This is our first full episode, and I'm super excited to talk about the election. So stay tuned as we have our guest joining us in just a moment. Today, I have with me Melanie Hallis. She is the city clerk for the city of Royal Oak, and I'm super excited to have her with me here today. Um, We're going to talk about some things related to election security, election process, absentee ballots, and and that type of information. Thank you so much for being with me here today, Melanie. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, um, it's really great when, when clerks are willing to be so accessible and available. There's a lot of information that I think people don't always know the correct answer to, so I'm glad that we have you here to cover some of that so people understand a little bit about you. Um, How long have you worked in elections? Well, I've been in the clerk's department for 25 years. Uh, As far as being appointed the clerk, I was appointed in 2008 by our city commission. Oh, very cool. Okay, so 25 years. So you've seen quite a bit of of change, I'm sure, over that period of time. How has that process changed in terms of conducting elections during your tenure working with with elections? Well, things have definitely changed. When I first started working here, we had paper poll books. So we did not have laptops, we didn't have computers. We had paper with stickers and it really was a totally different process. So that's good to see that we now have laptops and we have tablets. Um, And also I've seen three different versions of voting equipment. When I first started, we had AccuVote and then we went to a company called ESNS, and now we have Hart. And Hart is very sophisticated. It's um, it's great because, as you know from working the precincts, when you put a ballot through, if it jams, it actually will tell you if the ballot counted or if they need to put it through the machine again. Where our old equipment did not have that kind of capability, so we definitely have some great um, equipment. And for as far as Oakland County goes, we all have the same equipment. So we all have hearts. So um, each county, it was decided who wanted what vendor and we have heart and I feel we do have the best vendor. Oh yeah, and that's good to know that it's a countywide operation. So everyone's votes are kind of being counted the same way, especially because I know the county has collaborated some for absentee balloting in this, this kind of election cycle as well. And, and like you said, they are super easy in, in that if something is wrong, it will reject it. If someone misvotes, it gives the opportunity to make that correction, um, which I think is really kind of empowering when you think about what submitting your vote really means and things like that. So I, I like that. Yeah. Um, so when we talk a little bit more about the actual process of voting, uh, because there seems to be some confusion about it, is there really any difference between voting absentee or voting by mail? Well, in Michigan, we have absentee ballots. So people can apply for an absentee ballot once we receive their application, then we go ahead and we mail them a ballot, they vote their ballot, and then they either bring it back to us or mail it back to us or whatever. But mail-in ballots um, or mail-in state, that, that means those are, there's five states out there that they actually mail physical ballots to every single registered voter. So that that is a little different of a process, but we are hearing a lot where people are saying mail-in and absentee, but we are an absentee community where you actually have to fill out a form to be able to get a ballot. 
Right. So, so people have to fill out the application and submit that first, authorizing you to then send them that ballot. Even when they're on the permanent absentee ballot list, they still will get that application for every election, correct? Correct. And there's some misunderstanding with that. People think, oh, well, I signed up for the permanent absentee list. Where's my ballot? Well, we still need, a, you sign up for the permanent absentee list to get a form to fill out for every election. So that's really important too. And the reason why we do that is to make sure you still live, you know, where you did at the last election, that you still live in our city and, you know, that you're still here. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. And I, a lot of people don't realize even when you go in person, that little piece of paper that you fill out right at the beginning is an application for a ballot. You're just submitting it in person. And so they can verify your license and ID and all of that right there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so having worked with uh, elections for the period of time that you have, what are some of the common mistakes that people tend to make on uh, absentee ballots that they're mailing in or dropping off that you would want to help people avoid? The biggest mistake that we see is people not signing the outside of their envelope. So they vote their ballot, they get that far, they put it in the envelope, they drop it off to us and we get it, we go to scan it, and there's no signature. So what we do is we make sure that we contact that voter immediately because if that ballot isn't signed, it doesn't get counted. And also another thing to note for the applications, we do have on there, if you could put your phone number or your email address or both, whatever you feel comfortable with, we don't sell your email or your phone number. It's just for us to contact you if there is any kind of issue. But that, that right there is the number one thing is just getting people to sign that outside envelope. That's, that's awesome, and I'm glad you mentioned the point about putting your email and phone number um, because I think that might be a question people have is, well, how will you know to contact me? Are you going to mail me? Or are you going to you know, show up at my door? So I think that's helpful that if you're putting the most updated information on your ballot, then you have the most updated information to contact people. So Exactly. Um, so if someone does sign that envelope and their signature maybe doesn't match what, what you have as on file, how might that vo voter know that their signature didn't match? We are contacting voters only if it totally does not look like the signature that we have in our QBF file. Um, if there is any kind of discrepancy, we will again contact the voter either by email or telephone and call and just, just confirm you know, we're from the clerk's office. We're just verifying that you did sign this. Maybe you were in a hurry that day and signed it really quickly or whatever. We just need to get that verbal. Yes, I did sign that ballot. And a lot of times if, you know, when we do call voters, they appreciate it because they realize we really are checking their signatures and we are verifying you know, all of our checks and balances. So um, we don't seem to have too many issues with that. Um, but that's, that's what we're doing is we're checking the qualified voter file against it. And if they do tell us that, you know what, I changed my signature a few years ago, this is how I sign now, we will update that signature into our file. We can scan that signature into the voter file so that going forward we have the updated signature. Oh, that's really good to know that. Um, I, I was not aware of that. So it's glad to know that the, the signature can be updated that easily as well. Do we have any, um, laws in Michigan that, um, you know, I've heard in some states they have kind of the naked ballot law where if you do go ahead and open that up and the ballot's not inside the secrecy sleeve, does that then potentially invalidate that vote or is, is the signature kind of the primary piece in Michigan? 
the signature is the primary piece. And if for some reason, um, there are people that they accidentally forget to put their secrecy sleeve in or they didn't realize they needed to put it in their ballot, it does not invalidate their ballot. What happens is when the counting board is going through and they're counting ballots, if they go to pull out a ballot, it's not in a sleeve, they have sleeves in the room and they will immediately put a, a sleeve around the ballot so that the secrecy is still kept for that voter. Okay, that's really good to know. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure on that. Since uh, I believe it was our 2018 elections that we reinstituted straight ticket voting uh, for the state of Michigan, if someone wants to vote straight ticket, um, how, how do they go about doing that and ensuring that all of their votes for the Democratic Party or the Republican Party would count for that all the way down the ballot? Well, for every election, we have to test every single piece of equipment that we have. And one of the things is that we test to make sure pretty much any possible way a voter could vote, that the machine will tabulate those votes correctly. So for our tests for this election, we had over 60 different ballot styles that we put through each machine. And that's one of the tests is you put the party and you kind of mix the ticket around, put different um, votes for different candidates just to make sure, okay, well, I put party X, but I voted for candidate Y. It's still going to show you that um, that candidate for that other party is actually going to vote, that's going to count. So it's not that you're voting for two people, if you physically fill in one of the boxes for one of the races, that's what the machine's going to tabulate. Okay, so if I vote straight ticket on, you know, perhaps the Democratic side, mm -hmm. and for one of the races I cross over and vote for a third party candidate, for example, mm -hmm. it, that would override the straight ticket, but it would not invalidate the rest of the Democratic Party vote. Correct. Correct. Okay. That's good to know because I know in the primary it was you had to vote one or the other and that could potentially spoil your ballot if you cross lines. So that's good to know that for the, the general, you can vote for anyone that you want. Well, and it is confusing for voters because obviously we've had three elections this year. In March, it was you have to pick a party. So you got to pick your ballot. In August, it was you only can vote, you know, partisan. You can't cross over. And now in November, you can cross over. So it, there is a lot of confusion with voters, and I understand why, but for the November, um, you can split your ticket. Okay, that's, that's really good to know. Uh, along those lines, if someone does what's called overvoting, where maybe they vote for two candidates in a category that they're only supposed to choose one for, does that invalidate their ballot as a whole or simply the section that they voted in? it would just be the section that they voted in. So every other race that they voted on or proposal, um, all of those are going to count. It would just, it, the only ones that do not count is anything that would be overvoted. But don't think it invalidates your whole ballot because it does not. Okay, that's really good to know. So there's been a lot of discussion about election security this year. We have some, some powerful individuals kind of undermining confidence in the security of elections. And so I just wanna, ask a couple questions that hopefully will help reassure some listeners that that the elections are all above the line and everything is to be trusted when all the votes are cast and counted. So uh, one of the, the questions kind of along that line is, how do you ensure a fair process at the polls themselves with respect to who 
the people are that are working those particular polling locations and what their political parties are. As far as the election worker goes, we have different parties in each precinct. So we don't just have everyone working in there is the same party. We have to have different parties. And the reason for that is if a voter does ask for assistance, you have to get two people of two different political parties to, to assist them. So that shows you right there that there's no intimidation or anything like that. But that is why Michigan does have that, where we have to have different parties that are working in each location. So in terms of once the votes are cast, uh, what are some of the measures that are put in place to keep uh, the ballots secure uh, so that they're not maybe tampered with between the time that I, for example, cast my ballot at the poll until the time that the results are certified? Well, once the polls can be closed, which means that the computer is actually sending the results to the county and then it's shut down, the election inspectors take all of the ballots out of the ballot box that have been tabulated and they put them into a secure um, sealed ballot box. And there's a certificate um, that goes onto the box that actually goes, the way that our boxes are, the only way you could get to that certificate is if you broke the seal off of the container that you're putting the ballots in. So we have two people of two different parties again that sign the certificate and they put the seal number on that certificate. Then the ballot box is sealed up with that um, seal. Now, for any reason there was any tampering, you'd have to break that seal. If someone broke that seal off the ballot bag, you cannot put that seal back on because you cut it, you cut the seal. So um, we also, we get canvassed by Oakland County after every election. We have to have everything sealed up um, and th 30 days after the election, unless for some reason there's a recount or there's a, there's a discrepancy. And that's when we would take that ballot box and our equipment to the county if for some reason we needed to. And they verify that. They verify that that seal on that ballot is the same one that's on that certificate. So they know they can open it and nothing's been tampered with. That's great. Um, it's good to know that there's, there's security measures in place every step of the way that, that could kind of alert someone that something isn't right um, and, and change course. So in terms of those who are voting absentee, uh, maybe by mailing them in or using drop boxes specifically, when, when you think about those absentee drop boxes, uh, what are some of the processes in order to collect those ballots and how is that kind of ensured that there's some security with that as well? Well, every time that we do empty a drop box, um, it's multiple times throughout the day and it's always two people from my office. They take one of our ballot containers, it's on wheels, they take them to each drop box. Each drop box has a special lock to it with a special key. They open it up, they empty all the ballots out, they wheel it back over here, and then we begin our processing of checking the ballots in, checking the signatures and everything else. Um, it's also important to know that each box where it's located, where I have mine located right now, there is a camera above it. So if there was any kind of someone trying to tamper with the box or anything else, we would know. Um, we have the two right now, we have the one in front of the police department, we have the one behind Old City Hall, we just got the new one installed that's just north of the new city hall and we also have one inside of our lobby of the new city hall as well so we have four right now okay that's great um i think the more drop boxes the better uh one thing that's that's worried me a little bit lately hearing about in california where one of the political parties was kind of putting out some 
some of their own drop boxes that were not necessarily official. And so to that point, my best guess would be the best way to ensure you're using the correct Dropbox would be to check you, with your city clerk to verify what is an authentic Dropbox, uh, where those lo locations are, and, and make sure that you're dropping it in one that is, is actually an official Dropbox. Well, and one way that you can check to see where your Dropboxes are if you live in a different community other than Royal Oak, if you go again to the michigan.gov forward slash vote, there's a clerk page, a contact my clerk. And if you click on that, it gives your clerk's name, address of the city hall. And it also lists where all the valid drop boxes are. We have to update that, um, well, we already did two months ago, but anytime you get a new one, you update it there. So that way people know that is an official city drop box. Wow, that's really helpful. Thank you for providing that. Yeah, that's, I did, I was not aware of that. Um, so, being a part of the Democratic Club, I've been kind of keeping track of our Facebook page, our group Facebook page, and there have been a few questions that have come up from different people from our club that I think would be good to answer more generally, because if, if people from our club have them, uh, chances are they're not the only ones who have those questions. So uh, one of those questions um, was if, if someone starts filling out a ballot and is using the wrong type of writing utensil. For example, the, the absentee ballots that come indicate to use blue or black pen. Um, so if somebody, for example, uses a red pen or uh, some sort of permanent marker or something like that, what, what should they do if they realize that, that they've used the wrong material? Um, I would say come, come into our office and we can spoil that ballot and issue them a new one. Okay, they, yeah, that's, that's pretty simple. Um, so after sealing the envelope, um, if a voter realizes that they mi uh, missed something, they messed something up, uh, they wanna double check what it was that they had uh, listed on there, maybe they left the ballot out of the secrecy sleeve and wanted to put it back into the sleeve, can a voter simply open that envelope make the changes and then reseal that envelope with tape or do they need a new ballot in order to to have that vote counted no they can just they can just uh, put a piece of tape on there and reseal it and that's fine it will be counted okay that's really good to know um and then uh one other question that we had was so what if someone signs uh maybe with or without their middle initial that might be different from what signature is on file. Uh, sometimes, you know, people will sign differently depending on what it is that they're signing or whether they're in a hurry or not. How do they know which signature they should use? Um, as long as it's close being the first and the last name and we can tell that that's their signature, that's fine. Because so, you're right, sometimes people, uh, they sign with their middle name or maybe their middle initial for different documents and they're not sure how they sign for their driver's license or their you know, voter registration, um, it's fine. We will still accept it. It's just, if it totally looks like something different or it might even look like the spouse, maybe the spouse signed their name in a hurry because a lot of times they just sign stuff for them, but that that's something that would be caught and we would ask that the actual voter sign their ballot. Okay, and so would they be asked then to come in and, and just sign on the same envelope that you'd already received? Okay, exactly. perfect. So they don't have to go through the process of requesting, requesting no. another ballot and all of that again. 
And then uh, kind of one last question. I know in Michigan, we have the ability to uh, register to vote up to and including election day. So if someone wanted to do that, what is what does that process look like? And, you know, if they were to, for example, come to City Hall and are there the same rules with that, such as if I'm in line at a polling place prior to eight o'clock, does that same rule apply if I'm in line for services at the city clerk? Well, if they aren't registered to vote and they want to register on election day, they would just come to the clerk's office and we would, we would register them. We would also give them an absentee ballot at the same time so they could just vote while they were there. Um, they do need to have either a Michigan driver's license or state ID or a current utility bill or a bank statement, a paycheck or government check or some type of other government document for proof of residency. And that's only if someone's registering within the two weeks prior to the election. So right now anyone could register to vote online up until Monday. Monday's the deadline and then that's when you have to provide uh, proof of residency. Okay, that's very helpful. And so then if someone was, maybe there was a line and they showed up at City Hall at, you know, 750, because that was the soonest they could get there, mm -hmm. would they be able to still go through that process, even if they were in line and that 8pm threshold had crossed? It would be just the same as if you have a voter in the precinct, as long as they're in that building before eight o'clock, they are able to get a ballot and they're able to vote their ballot. That's really great. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, so that's all of the questions that I have for you today. I really wanted to reiterate again how much I appreciate everything that you're doing and uh, the fact that you are willing to take the time in the middle of what is undoubtedly going to be one of the busiest elections that we've had in a while to come and speak to uh, my listeners. So thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening to this episode. I hope that you each got some good information. I know I learned some new things that I had no idea about myself, and I have worked as a, a poll worker in the last couple elections this year in 2020, and I'll be doing that again coming up in this, this upcoming election because I feel like it's, it's just a really important election, probably one of the most consequential that we've had in our lives. I just wanted to add that if you are interested in navigating to that website where you can check your registration status and the status of your ballot, I have included that in the description for this episode. So you can feel free to find that uh, or Google the Michigan Voter Information Center. That's the website that I often use to, to verify my status, my polling location, and all of that good information. If anyone would like to get into contact with me with comments or questions, please email mittenpolitics at gmail.com. There's no spaces or underscores or anything like that. Uh, we'll plan to have episodes every two weeks moving forward. So this episode should come out on Monday, the six, uh, 19th, and then every two weeks after that, my goal is to have a new episode. Please also subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening. And if you could, please rate the episodes and give us five stars. Uh, feel free to add any comments and things like that. I'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.